This is the MMA Takes Podcast with your host, Brian Petrie. Oh, boy. Well, it's election night, and I'm doing this podcast late so I can avoid all that shit. Uh, I mean, listen, it might make me un-American. I don't vote, partly because... I'm ill-informed, right? And I know it's very un-American me. I should have an opinion. I should be vote. I should be blah, 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 all that stuff. I understand that. It's just, um, yeah, I don't know. You know, it's just it's just not a big part of me. Like, I, I've been in this world for, um, I've been in this world for 34 years. And I've just never really have seen a change in my whoever the president is. I haven't noticed it. I think I'm getting older and I'm a little more tuned in now than I ever have been. And there are some things I care about. There's some, there's some things I don't care about. I'm, I'm definitely a middleman. I'm not one side or the other, but I just, I, it's hard for me to really care because I just, I don't see it changing. Now I understand that there's people that do care and they're passionate and that's, and that's fine. I, I'm passionate about other things that people don't care about. Um, but yeah, I just, I don't understand why you got a flag, uh, you know, or fly a flag, a Trump flag. Uh, on your car like what it's just i i don't get it right i just i don't understand that i see that a lot you know and i and it, even if you saw like some with a biden flag it doesn't matter who it is i just don't really care who you're voting for it doesn't matter to me um but yeah it's election night so that's gonna be fucking absolute madness i'm sure everyone's glued to the tv not me i'm glued to this motherfucking microphone talking to you guys we're gonna recap halloween we're going to recap the Carter Halloween. I had a pretty great night. If you follow my social media, remember takes podcasts on uh, Twitter and Instagram. I have expressed what I've hit as one of my best hits. I wish I would have put more money on it. I think we're all the same way. Uh, once you hit big, you wish you put more money on it, but I, I made out pretty well. <clears throat> I called it to a fucking T. We'll get into that. Uh, I got, you know, we might go long here. Okay. So settle in. As you're listening to this, you probably have already seen how long the podcast is. And you're probably like, why is the podcast? You know, I'm, I'm saying like maybe over an hour, maybe. But you're probably like, why is the podcast so fucking long? What did this guy ramble on about? Well, I got some things, right? I got some Anderson Silva stories. The, you know, one of the goats have retired. Um, I got some stuff to get off my chest. Uh, like I always do. And then we're going to recap the fights. So where to start is a good question. Where to start? Um, I guess the first thing to start would be. Should we go Anderson? No, I feel like I should end with Anderson, right? Anderson's a big deal. Um, We can do the recap. We can do things. Okay, so where to start would be Ian Parker. Okay, no, we're not. Where should I start? Okay, you know what? Let's start on something happy, right? I hit Tiago Moises, right, uh, at plus 750. And if you've seen the the aforementioned uh, social media, then you have already seen what I posted. But basically, I wrote in a text for work. Tim, our, our good buddy, our champion, our current champ, the guy who's beat me and Devin and has beat me straight up, uh, the champ right now, Tim Mitchell, um, he was asking for advice if he should do a decision on Mo Green or not. Should I do decision Mo Green? He's like, plus whatever to win by decision. And I said, 700, plus 700 on Moises is going to be a win decision is where my money would go. Bobby's not a finisher. Michael Johnson cracked Moises and he didn't go away. I doubt Green will do it. Judging is fucked. I didn't touch the Hardy fight. Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> what was that, dude? Was that like someone just came in and choked me? That might have been Devin. Devin might be in the witchcraft since I'm going to talk shit about him. He might have came through and fucking choked me. What was that? Ah, so anyway, Tim said, okay, I'm going to do the Moises decision. Devin said, ask yourself, how does Moises win my decision? He doesn't. Either wins by submission or, ju- uh, or losses, loses. And I said, bad judging. And I plus 700, you put 10 on it, you win 70. Thinking like I'm picking out a game, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, listen, you cannot talk me out of betting a 700 underdog. You just can't. It's a 700 prop. I put a half unit on it and I made out. I wish I would have put a full, full unit on it. And I forgot that I parlayed it with a Yanez KO. Adrian Yaz had a beautiful KO. I forgot I did that. I thought I single bet it, but it won me even more money. So I'm an incredibly happy man. And I'm even more happy, not only because my ego is gigantic and I need praise, which is probably very true, but also, I mean, I predicted the fight down to the bad judging, right? That is, that's crazy, right? And I that's exactly how I saw the fight going. And listen, I'm wrong a lot, right? So, but when you're right on a plus 700, and it ended up closing at plus 750, <clears throat> you got to talk about it. 
<clears throat> Devin's still trying to choke me here. Okay, but you got to talk about it, right? And listen, I love giving Dev shit because he cares. It bothers him so much when I do this. He's been tweeting at me or he's been texting me once I once I put it up. He's like, well, why don't you show them all the times you were wrong? And we're moving on. And I'm like, that's not how this works, Dev. Okay, my Twitter just froze up on me. Wow. Okay, I got it. Um, so that to me, I hit that big. There, it's these past two cards have been so chalky. You've been digging for underdogs. And they just aren't there. And I uh, get in my underdog lock, Mahmoud Muradov, he fell off, <clears throat> and I had to pick someone else. So I, I went live on Friday night, I think, right? Went live on Friday night and picked an underdog, and I picked Tiago. He's the only one I thought could win. I thought he could win by decision. I did have a straight, or excuse me, by submission as well. I did have a bet on him uh, for to win by submission, which was like plus 500. But I parlayed the decision because I really did think the decision was going to come. Bobby Green is a vet. He almost got caught in a leg lock. He fought. He defended it pretty well. So I, di- I just didn't think that was going to happen. But let's get in the card, and we'll get into the, all the other shit, too. Um, first fight of the night, you got Miles Johns versus Kevin Natividad. I went 9-2 on my picks, by the way. I had a great fucking night. I won my slime ball parlay two weeks in a row. Slime ball parlay has hit. Um, Miles Johns was a single bet. I hit this as well. He was my mortal lock. First time ever I picked... First fight of the night, mortal lock. That was uh, that was a little nerve wracking. Kevin Tivadad. A lot of people liked him as an under. They saw him value on the under. I understand it, right? He's a tough, durable guy. Had a good record, but I just thought Miles Johns was just a little bit better. If he came in great shape, which he did, I thought he was gonna, you know, was gonna wrestle a little more. It was more of a stand up fight. He looked good on the feet. Wasn't really gun shy since getting knocked out last time. Uh, and the Tivadad kind of pushed his punches. Wasn't the the biggest striker in the world, right? He didn't have like one punch knockout power. Solid prospect, but then that uppercut knockout was sick. A lot of people were complaining about Miles Johns held his glove and blah, 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 blah. Maybe. I don't know. It was a sick knockout by Miles Johns. Good performance by him. I thought he was winning the fight anyway, regardless of the knockout. So we cashed right off the gate. I like betting the first fight of the night. I don't think I've ever put a mortar lock in the first fight of the night. You can check the records. I don't know if I ever have, but I, I, I generally like getting off to a good start. So my mortar lock, my best bet. I had him down at 176. He closed at 158 because a lot of money did come on uh, Natividad. A lot of people did like him. But I'm sticking with my gut. So I got him at a minus 154. That was a good uh, good play by your boy. Justin, Justin Jacoby versus Justin Ledet. That's hard to say. Justin Jacoby, Justin Ledet. It's kind of a hard thing to say. Anyway, listen, I thought Ledet uh, stinks, right? He's just not that good. And Jacoby, I, I don't know if he was going to be a finisher or not. I had him in my parlay. He was one of the legs in my slime ball parlay. He was a big, big favorite. Rightfully so. Ledette, okay boxer. But other than that, it, he, he, it's, there's nothing else for him there, right? He got rocked to the body a couple of times and then uppercut to the head. and Or, excuse me, leg kicks. It was leg kicks. Then that uppercut against the fence, he just crumbled. Jacoby looked really good. I like his confidence. I'm glad he finally got his the, the monkey off his back, his first UFC win, because he was in the UFC before, got cut, went to kickboxing, did the contender series. Now he's back. Finally got his first UFC win. Uh, and listen, 205 is interesting. This is a guy that's going to be an exciting fighter. Can he break the top 10? Uh, top 15, prob- prob- uh, probably. Top 10, maybe. Top 5, probably not. Uh, if he gets really favorable matchups, maybe. But um, I think he's got some room to grow, some room to improve, but he's going to be an exciting addition with uh, his kickboxing pedigree and, and the fact that he's he's been around for a little bit and he's seen some stuff. So I like Justin Jacoby um, in this division. 205 is slowly creeping up on us, boys. 205 is really fucking good. Uh, next up, Jason Witt versus Cole Williams. I'm going to take a drink while you process this fight for the reason why Jason Witt closes as a minus 154 favorite, and that's it. That's free money. So this was part of my slime ball parlay as well. Jason Witt was my medium play. He almost was my lock. Should have been my lock as well. Could have gave out two more locks. Um, minus 154 is absolutely crazy. Cole Williams came in five pounds overweight. This is his second fight in the UFC where he has not made weight. He missed weight by four and a half pounds. He looked fat in there. I know he just had a baby. I know he's got some things going on in his life, but Jason Witt just came out there and buzzsawed him. 10-8 first round, went out there the second round after cutting him up in the first round, took him down, choked him out. I mean, flawless performance by Witt. I think Witt showed some promise outside the UFC. Again, I took him on his UFC debut on short notice against Sato. I thought his wrestling was going to make the difference. Got fucking slept. Shame on me. I took a shot at an underdog. Oh, well. Um, he came back at minus 154, and I said, you got to hammer this line, and I, and, and I should have. Hammering them more straight. I had a lot of money out there uh, this week. I, I, I've I've taken some. I I, I uh, skimmed a little off my my bankroll 
because uh, I got a baby coming, so I was I was buying some shit. And uh, so I spread my money out pretty good this week, so I didn't have a lot, and I and I leaned on John's. I gave John's as my mortal lock, my mortal lock pick. So again, you gotta die with your picks. That's my mortal lock. I gotta go heavy on that, but I really want to go heavy on Wit as well. But I put him in my slime ball parlay, and uh, he came through and just absolutely destroyed Cole Williams. I, Cole Williams just shouldn't be in the OC. He just he's just not caliber. I mean, you get you can't make weight. You can't do anything. All right, next up, final leg of the parlay, Sean Strickland versus Jack Marshman. Strickland looked good. This is a fun fight. Marshman's got a fucking cement block head. Not very talented. You know, listen, he was he landed a few shots on Strickland. Strickland pieced them up, though. They were yelling at each other, but positive stuff. Like, why won't you fall? Strickland was having fun in there. He was loose. I like him at 85. Uh, I prefer him at 85 over 170. He looked good. I mean, Marshman's not the biggest guy in the world. He, he carries a little bit of fat on him. Uh, biggest 85er in the world, I should say. Strickland, though, I think he looks good. Lean and, and pretty tall for that division. Uh, uh, he looked good in there. Strickland looked really good. There's not much to say about this fight. He pieced him up. 21-3. and three. Sean Strickland has a good record. Um, it, he just needs to fight more active. I don't know if, if it's his choice, if he's hurt or what. He just likes to fight once a year or whatever it is. I just feel like we don't see him enough, and I and I would like to see him more. He was a final leg in the parlay, though, and he and he, won, he cashed on me there, and he... And he, and he uh, pieced up Jack Marshman. This was like right when I was going out for Thanksgiving too. Like Thanksgiving had just, or Thanksgiving, what the fuck? Uh, Halloween had just started. Little one was a witch, ready to go, ready to hand out the candy. And I'm watching this and it finally, it finally ended. Strickland won, went out, had a good time. So I missed some of these next fights. I've since seen them, but uh, mixed some of these next fights because I was out trick-or-treating my little witch. A lot of fun. This was the first year my daughter really like knew what to do right so she's three so last year she was two and she really liked halloween but she was kind of shy didn't really understand like trick or you know she was trying to give them candy as opposed to taking candy and it was really bad weather so when we got to go to a couple houses this year weather was perfect in cincinnati parents came over uh wife and i walked her you know we live in like a a, su- a suburb that's kind of like it's all everything all my my neighborhood's all dead end so there's only one way and one out. So one way in, one way out. There's not like multiple ways in. So that's really cool. And it's all these houses and you know, everyone's, it's like a nice little suburban white community. And uh, a lot of people weren't going out for Halloween. They didn't hand out candy. Um, some people did like a lot of people, I would say it was probably maybe 60, 40 people did. Usually it's about a hundred percent on, on non COVID Halloweens, but we still had a lot of fun. There was, um, I came back, I love handing out candy. So I, I came back and, was handing out candy to the kids. You know, I didn't, we didn't get a ton of trick or treaters. We got our fair share, but it kind of wrapped up early. And then my dad and, and wife took Winnie out again in her wagon because her little legs got tired. And uh, she had a blast. Like she is so cute, so funny. And uh, it was, it was awesome. So I missed these next two fights. Andrew Nez, who is MMA Takes Royalty. I believe Devin might be doing an interview with him again. We'll see. He fought Victor Rodriguez. Mismatch from the start. Rodriguez, again, Alaskan guy. Hasn't really fought the quality competition. Yanez has. Yanez, big, powerful dude. Got a little sloppy in the beginning, but then finally tightened up, and his power is just too much for Rodriguez. Awesome knockout. Got the bonus. Deserved the bonus. Uh, it was a sick knockout. Like, he pieced him up with the, in the hands, hurt him every time he hit him, and then Victor's just basically trying to run away from the firefight and kept his head, hands down, very inexperienced, and Yanez just fucking kicked him in his jaw and, and sent him home. Uh, that was my send him home too. I think I hit on all I did. I hit my mortal lock. I hit my send him home and I hit my underdog lock clean sweep on my prop picks. Uh, Yanez was a guy I had in my parlay. I had him in my underdog parlay. My Michael Keaton, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts parlay. Uh, Yanez was my anchor in that. And then I, and I, I sprinkling in a few underdogs and we'll get to the next fight next, which, which really killed me. But yeah, Yanez looked good. This kid is, is going to be tough at 135. He's got experience. He's fought really good people. Um, I, I really think, I know this was a short, uh, short notice fight for Victor Rodriguez. His original opponent, uh, fell out for Yanez, but I like to see Yanez maybe take a little bit step up in competition. Cause I think he's earned it. I think he's that good. And, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, he's obviously got big power for 135. He's got the good mind for it. He's got everything working for him, right? Good camp. Um, so I just think maybe, you know, cause you keep feeding them guys from Alaska. You keep feeding them guys like Victor Rodriguez. He's going to fucking catch a body. He's going to murder somebody. So I think a step up in co- competition is, is warranted. Alex Hernandez versus Chris Grusmacher. This one hurt, right? I do not like Hernandez. I have told you on these airwaves that I was no longer going to let personal vendettas, uh, cloud my judgment. Well, it, 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 nine out of ten times, I'm taking Grootsmacher though. I don't. I, most of the time, I regret not taking fighters. I couldn't live with myself if Grootsmacher went out there 
and just hustled and outgrinded Hernandez. He didn't do that. He looked out of shape. He looked like a guy that took years off, right? Um, and he just was getting hit with everything, and Hernandez put him away in the first round. Easy night for Hernandez. Hernandez showed, you know, his striking. He's obviously powerful. I don't think his striking is all that great. Uh, haven't really. He didn't get out of the first round, so we don't know how his cardio went. I know he went to a different camp. He's in Colorado now, which I think is the best thing for him. But Bruce Mocker let me down here. He looked like a guy that took a couple years off. He looked very out of shape. But listen, you dangle plus 300, and I think he closed even higher. I think I got him at like plus 345. You dangle that in front of me against a guy like Hernandez, who I do not think is very good. I think he's very overrated. I'm going to take it 9 out of 10 times. However, my mistake in this situation was I got a little greedy, and I put him in the underdog parlay which I shouldn't have done. I should have done it just Yanez Moises, but I hit that prop with them. So I was okay with it. Um, but yeah, Bruce Mocker just didn't show up. I don't know if he's UFC quality anymore. He just, I mean, 14 and four, he's got a good record. He's got a decent win on his record with Joe Lozon, but Joe Lozon's pretty much retired. What do you do with this guy? Is he UFC quality? Probably not. So I think we got to move on, but Hernandez, listen, he's a marketable guy. It looks like Mark Wahlberg from fear, right? He's got that serial kill look. Um, he was more humble this time out. I think he's been humbled in UFC, which is great. And, uh, he's fought really good competition in UFC so far. So you only just got to keep moving him up. Right. But when he's a minus 400 something favorite, he almost closed at a minus 500 favorite. I just, I can't even look at that and take it seriously considering the body work he's done, but you know, you live and you learn, but I'm glad I took the shot again, nine out of 10 times. I'm taking that shot. I'm not, you know, I'm a gambler. I'm gonna take some shots on underdogs here, but Grusmacher again, Look like shit. All right, Tiago Moises was Bobby Green, the fight of the night. Not really, but in my head, this was the one that really turned me over. So as you heard at the top of the show, I predicted this to the fucking T. So Bobby Green is not a finisher. He's just not. Keeps his hands down. He makes fights that shouldn't be close, close. He can defend a takedown really well. He can pop up off his feet. Tiago kind of did that. Tried to take him down a few times, and they, they scrambled a little bit. They got back to his feet. The second round, he had the ankle lock, which I was believe came from a Bobby Green takedown. Tiago just uh, picked that leg and and went for it. Um, Couldn't get it, but they battled for a little bit. And then the stand-up, I thought Bobby Green was landing some good shots. He landed more shots. I thought Tiago landed the harder shots. I'm not going to sit here and argue that who won what. A lot of people thought Bobby Green got robbed. That's fine. I don't know if it was a robbery per se. I saw a lot of more people pick Bobby Green than Tiago. That's fine. I have no problem with that. But when you're at a plus 750, to go to decision and win, you take it. Because I knew it was going to be a close fight. Tiago is a lot tougher than people give him credit for. Bobby Green is not a finisher. I knew it was going to the cards. The judging is so fucked that they could give it Tiago. Tiago is an aggressive guy. He's got a good head kick. His striking's coming a long way. Bobby Green is more is really slick. And the problem with Bobby Green, a lot of the times he, he's got that swag where he does the shoulder rolls and he moves. Every time he gets hit clean, he shakes his head no. To me, the judges are like looking at that like, well, he just got hit. Like, don't acknowledge every hit you get. I know it's like your bravado and that's what you've been doing. But Bobby got hit clean a few times and kind of went. And there was a few times I felt like he got like hit on the top of the head and, and it kind of like shocked his legs a little bit. He didn't get rocked or stumbled or anything, but there was a few incidences in the in the in the in the in the pocket where they were exchanging where he got clipped in the, the top of the head and his legs kind of went whoop. Like, just for a split second. I mean, that obviously didn't win Tiago the fight, but Tiago possesses power. His stand-up is a little rough. It's not the cleanest, but he's a durable guy. People slept on this guy, and, and he was a plus-250 underdog, right? So he's my underdog lock. I got him. I had him in a parlay. I lost the parlay because of Grusmacher, but I also took him by submission, and I took him by decision. Obviously, submission didn't hit, but the decision did. Uh, very happy with my choices here. Tiago, just because he won me so much money, he might be like one of my new guys now. I mean, if you win me money like that, like opposite of Jimmy Crew, Jimmy Crew has lost me so much money and Tiago has won me so much. I think he's like the, the, my, my opposite of Jimmy Crew. So I got to add him in, even though I don't think he's going to really make a run at 155. I think he's going to be a tough out for a lot of guys, but I do think he's beatable. I think his, his ground game is good, but I don't know if it's like crazy good. I mean, he did catch Michael Johnson, but I don't know if he's like a Damian Maya type guy on the ground where it's like instant death. When you get down there with him, his standup is, you know, listen, he's a tough guy. His standup is progressing. He does hit hard. He does have a good head kick. You can't sleep on him. Um, he's going to be a tough out for a lot of guys. I think he could potentially be getting better, but 14 to 4, solid record. Uh, I'd like to see him maybe move up a little bit. Bobby Green was a pretty good step up in cont- competition for him. Bobby's been fucking hot this year, but yeah, all praise Tiago, baby. Let's go. A little caffeine. 
A little caffeine boost. Get me up. Kevin Holland versus Charlo. Um, Charlo. Charlie Octavos. Fucking nailed it. I missed this fight. I didn't get to catch this fight because of, of Halloween and whatnot. I was eating dinner with my family. Um, I have since watched it back. Obviously, Kevin Holland was supposed to fight Mahmoud. Mahmoud was my underdog lock. Um, Kevin came out, kind of grappled with this kid. Uh, didn't know much about this kid. He took the fight on short notice. I think he was supposed to fight in the UFC before. I know he fought uh, Venom Page, I believe. Didn't he fight Venom Page? He's the 170 that went up to 185. Um, yeah, he fought, uh, fought Venom Page and Bellator and lost by kind of pound. So basically him and Kevin Holland went. Kevin dominated from, from the get-go of this. And uh, Kevin grappled a little bit, slammed him, and he landed weird on his head, neck, or whatever. It was a verbal tap. Apparently his neck was messed up a little bit. They took him to... Uh, the hospital and everything, he ended up getting fine. You know, he wasn't paralyzed. Everything was all right. It's just maybe a pinched nerve, stinger in his neck, kind of scary situation. But Kevin Holland then, like, kind of screamed at Izzy. They have beef or something like that. And I like this post fight. Listen, like, I'm an Izzy guy. But you got to you gotta start taking – you're at that point now where you're on a roll like you are that a couple fights away, you – and there's not many other guys at 85 that are calling out Izzy, right? I mean, you look at the top five. Besides Darren Till, who doesn't hasn't earned it yet – um, you got guys like Whitaker who's not really keen on fighting Izzy right away, right? He's like, oh, you know, I got, you know, he's he's been kind of non-committal. Yeah, Kevin Holland, who if they offer him the Izzy fight tomorrow, he's taking it, right? So you kind of got to get a little bit in with the champ. I know they said they had a run-in where I, I don't really know what he said, but you know, I like that move by Kevin Holland. Like, you know, listen, fuck it, I'm on a roll here at 85. I keep winning. I'm gonna fight this guy, and we're gonna have heat built into it. We're gonna have they can show that. In the video package of him yelling through the cage at Adesanya, who was sent cage fight, like it's fucking fantastic. You know what I mean? So it's uh, it's uh, kind of built in. But yeah, this guy shouldn't have been in there with Kevin Holland. Kevin Holland is 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 a top flight fighter. Wants to fight again this month. I think they'll probably give him a fight. Uh, I want to see top competition. He kind of called out Mike Perry. He said catch weight at one eighty. If Perry wanted to come up eighty five, they gave Perry uh, Tim Means. Because Robbie Lawler pulled out. So uh, that should be an entertaining fight. But yeah, uh, Kevin Holland looked great. Again, not much to go off of because he shouldn't have been in there. But Kevin Holland's a guy that, you know, he's, he's, I think he could be a real needle mover. Um, he's an exciting guy. He's an interesting personality, um, exciting fighter, I should say. Interesting personality. And, and if they match him up the right way, he could, he could look really good. All right. Greg Hardy versus Maurice Green. This fight, you know, it is what it was. Uh, Greg looked patient. He looked a little tired to me. I didn't know he left American Top Team. Apparently he left and he's just training with, with Dean and uh, Rashad Evans somewhere, I guess somewhere in Florida. I, I, I'm not really sure. I guess they're starting their own camp. Um, Murray screen. Listen, this guy, I, I just don't think he's all that great. Listen, he's nine and five. He's been hurt before. John Vellante should have beat him. Um, I almost predicted this fight to a T as well. Greg Hardy. I knew he was going to drop him. And then I, Maurice green did try to get some submissions. Greg Hardy's just too powerful, too athletic in there. And then I put, put Murray screen away in the second round. Same thing. Dropped him, finished him on the ground. Not much to say about this fight. I don't like either guy. Uh, you know, Greg Hardy's obviously going to be a name that people talk about for a while, but uh, it is what it is. You know, he almost missed weight. A lot of people were mad about him about that. You know, he, he seemed to be in pretty good shape, but I don't know how serious he took this fight. I, you know, he's probably overlooked Mo Green because he's like, oh, I've been in there with Volkov, you know, and I've only had nine fights. Like, fuck this guy. Um, but, yeah, he didn't look in the best shape, but he did look powerful, and, and Mo Green's got a chin problem, so... Is what it is. All right, next up, co-main event, Bryce Mitchell versus Andre Philly. My favorite fight of the night. I love this fight. A lot of people like Philly. I was all over Mitchell here. I did not bet this fight. I almost took Bryce as a straight-up uh, pick. I just, again, I had to, I had to limit where I spared my money around, and, and I went heavy on other things and didn't have enough to put a little bit on Bryce, but I did like him in the spot. Philly looked really good. Listen, uh, Kenny Florian broke this down great on the Anakin Florian podcast. There are some things Bryce Mitchell needs to do better on top. Uh, Philly got out, uh, um, you know, if, if you scramble to guard and, and you work way back up that way, that's just technique. If you get airlifted, you know, you get pressed off you. That's just, that's on Bryce Mitchell and Bryce Mitchell was very upset with himself in the fight. But other than that, like I kind of compared him to compared him to Khabib, which is very, like, I shouldn't do that. I can see why people are going to laugh at me or be like, what the fuck are you talking about? The complaint about Bryce Mitchell is he hasn't fought anybody. He hasn't fought anybody yet, but his style is very Khabib-like. Like, Andre Feely's a good wrestler. Like, he trained with wrestlers. He trained with Gary Tonin for this fight. He knew what was coming, and he still couldn't stop it. That's what. I, that's the comparisons with Khabib, in my opinion. Do I think Bryce Mitchell is as good as Khabib? Of course not. That's that's silly. But he's a fighter that people know what he wants to do. He wants to grab it. He wants to get young. He wants to get you down. He wants to get on top. Work some submissions. Work ground and pound. But he wants to, he wants to lay on you, and he can do that all fight. His cardio is really good. 
Doesn't cut a lot of weight from 145. I think that's one of the reasons why his cardio is really good. And he can do that for three rounds. He probably can do it for five rounds. He can put that pressure on you. Philly showed up in great shape. Philly didn't waver at all. He landed a good knee. Uh, Bryce Mitchell, I thought, looked pretty good on the feet. He was standing southpaw, uh, was throwing some big shots, and then you know he got caught with a knee. He was switching his feet a little bit. I think there was his stand-up really needs a lot of work, but his stand-up has looked good. He looks like he's got some power. He's got good timing. Um, his hands are pretty fast. He was throwing a, like a sidekick a little bit. He was working that body. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, listen, Philly's a tough guy, tall, rangy guy for 145. This was a big step up in competition for Bryce, but he's ready for it. Like He's 14-0. But that style, I think he's ready for anybody. I don't know if it's technique, farm boy strength, what it is, but he's ready for that style. And, and he really impressed me because a lot of people, a lot of people I respect, Ron Feely as the underdog here. That was their underdog play. A lot of people love that. That was their lock of the night for the underdog-wise. And I just saw it different. I saw Bryce really just wasn't going to be not denied his game, right? He was going to get Feely down no matter what. And uh, he took him down relatively easy. Philly popped back up and really scrambled to his feet really well which I was really impressed with. But I remember the one time he scrambled to his feet and they got up and then Bryce shot right for a single again and dumped him again. Like that was a beautiful transition. And Bryce can do that to a lot of people. I mean, a high, high level wrestler in 145. Let's, let's since I got time, since I've already said uh, this is going to be a long podcast, let me look at the rankings at 145 and, and, and see. Obviously, I'm not going to you know, give him Volkanovsky Holloway right now. But I kind of want to see the the really high level wrestlers at 145 who could potentially give him problems. Okay, so at 145, Edson Barboza is 15, Bryce Mitchell is 14, Ryan Hall would be really interesting. Ryan Hall's 13. I would really like to see the Ryan Hall fight. Ryan Hall's trying to get a fight with uh, Dan Ige, but Bryce Mitchell broke his hand. He said he's going to need some time off. So let's look at the the top. So Ryan Hall, love that fight. Shane Burgos. I, you know, Bryce probably should be ranked a little higher than Shane Burgos coming off that loss, but Shane, Shane is as tough as they come. Doesn't have the best grappling in the world. I think I think Bryce wins that fight. Danny Ige, tough as they come. Again, is a black belt in jiu-jitsu, but his wrestling, I think his wrestling defense is a little weak in my opinion. Sadiq Yusuf, another name that's a hot prospect at 145. Hasn't lost in the UFC. Incredible striker. I don't really know how good his ground game is. I know his takedown defense is pretty solid, but like as far as him getting up and, and what he has off his back, I think Bryce could give him fits. Sadiq's my guy, though, so I don't know. Jeremy Stevens, I think, might be the most logical fight. Jeremy Stevens is an old vet. Uh, he would match up really well with Bryce. It would, it would challenge Bryce in a lot of areas. Jeremy had struggled with takedown defense in the past. Kind of cleaned up a little bit, but not really. Arnold Allen, a guy who's on like a crazy win streak. I, I'm not high on R. Allen. He's number eight in the world at 145, one of the best divisions in the OC. And I'm sitting here on a fucking MMA podcast saying I'm not that high on him. Am I crazy? Like, what? what's wrong with me? Um, I just, I don't know. Like, i just not, not impressed with his body of work. I don't know what it is. Hang on a second. What is going on here? Like, my headphones are falling off my big-ass head. Like, they're not used to all this fucking hair. By the way, I hate my hair, okay? I hate how long it is. I hate the way it looks. I went out and bought a hat the other day. I got two hats now. I've only had one hat. I want to become a hat guy. I've committed. I'm not a quitter. So one thing you got to know about me, I don't quit. If I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. I'm going to grow my hair out, cut it, shave it, whatever. Shave it, probably have to. Give it the locks love. I've always wanted to do that. The time is now. So lay off about the hair. <laughs> like It's like parting down the middle. And I just hate it. And it's 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 thick and heavy. Sorry, guys. It's like it's like your boy. It's thick and heavy. So my wife, who is is in the business, she uh, ha- has ordered me some uh, expensive pomade wax shit to put in my hair so I can get it back and have it stay. So hopefully that works. But anyway, back to this. R. Allen. I don't. I, the seamless transition. Uh, I think I'm crazy, but I just I just don't know I just don't know much about him, or don't know if I like him or not. Josh Emmett blew out his knee. Great, Calvin Cater. All these guys in the top are going to give him fits or whatever. He's not ready for one through six, in my opinion. Maybe seven. And Arnold Allen would be great. He's obviously marketable. The UFC fucking gave him camo shorts, which is absolutely insane. Um, you know, this is a guy. He's only had a handful of fights. This was his first co-main event. They gave him his exclusive shorts. He's got a great following. I think he's promoting himself well. We'll get to the whole post-fight thing. No, we'll get to the post-fight now because I'm going to go a little deeper on Anderson. So at the post-fight, he said he went on a mass grant, like an anti-mass grant, right? He's from Arkansas. He's from the South. You know, I don't want to 
assume anything, but I'm assuming he's a Trump guy, you know, being down south, and that's fine. And he went on a, a, a mass grant about how it should be optional, right? Now, a lot of the media members in MMA attacked him and said he doesn't know what he's talking about. Trent Ryan Smith, that fucking idiot, of course, was coming in his pants when Bryce Mitchell said that so he could write an article about how wrong Bryce Mitchell is or whatever. And he, and he might be wrong, right? But that's his opinion. He thinks they should be optional. And there's other countries that are doing okay without masks or whatever. Here's the thing. I just, it's the guy's opinion. If I was Bryce, though, it's one of those things where you're really hot right now. And that could really endear you with fans. Because I do think a lot of fans agree with them. The more fighters I follow, the more fighters I see really lean to the right. They're very... Like people you wouldn't even think of, like Mike Perry's a Trump guy, Kamar Usman's a Trump guy, uh, Aljamain Sterling, I do not think he's a Trump guy, but he supported Bryce Mitchell's thing. He thinks math should be optional. There's a lot of <clears throat> you know fighters that lean right that are or that are that are conservative, and I don't think that hurts him with those guys at all because a lot of guys have that that th- those same uh, sentiments. It's gonna hurt him with the media because they're gonna attack him now. But I really think that there needs to be a complete shift in MMA media. What Bryce said wasn't dangerous. It wasn't misinformation. It was just his a fucking opinion, right? He doesn't have COVID. He's never tested COVID. He probably doesn't wear a mask. He might be one of those rare breeds. No one likes wearing masks. I don't like fucking wearing a mask, but if I have to wear it, I'll wear it. Um, and I just, I don't like him being attacked for his opinions or whatever. They, it wasn't like he was handling Hitler. It wasn't like he's like, oh, the swastika actually meant a lot to blah, 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 whatever the fuck, right? It's a simple opinion about the mask. He doesn't wear it. I mean, he's not going to wear him, right? But he's also, he like lives outside. So like, right? So like, isn't there like less chance to get it when you're outside? I just think if I was Bryce Mitchell and you're building up this really good fan base right now. Now, listen, his fan base might love that message. But you also kind of got to like, if I was an athlete and I was being becoming really popular, I would completely stay away from politics because it gets people's politics and religion get people so fucking worked up that I would just stay away from it. I wouldn't touch it. I would just be like, oh, yep, no, I don't have an opinion on that, whatever. I just, I would just stay away from it. There's some very famous people who just stay away from politics. You wouldn't know, you wouldn't know anything about them, about, you know, because of their politics. So I just think you got to kind of keep it separate. But Bryce is a guy that, you know, he has a platform and, and maybe that was on his mind and maybe he just wanted to express it. And, you know, everyone's different, right? But, you know, he's been getting attacked for that and it is what it is. But, you know, I, I don't really give a shit, right? Who cares, right? So next up, Ryan Hall versus Anderson Silva. We all know this. Anderson Silva's possibly retirement fight. Um, Yeah, listen, a lot of De- – Devin thinks they should give Anderson softball. I thought this was a softball. You know, Ryan Hall's 36 He's got a lot of knockouts on his record, but you want Anderson to go out with a striker. You want him to go out um, striking. You don't want to see him get wrestle-fucked for five rounds. You want to see him on his feet. That's what made him great, and he looked good in the first two rounds. He started to rush in a little bit, right? In the third round, he got caught at the very end of the third round. He started to rush in a little bit, started to get a little angsty. That's kind of the 45-year-old in him, I think. You know, his reflexes are kind of gone. I think I feel like he got away with that when he was younger, um, and he couldn't get away with it now. He got caught by two – basically – both times I put him down was a counter shot because he was pressing Ryan Hall. Ryan Hall didn't do much in the early rounds. I thought Anderson won the first two, dropped the third because you know he got dropped and then obviously got TKO'd, KO'd, whatever, in the fourth. I thought Anderson looked pretty good for 45. I thought his body looked pretty good. I thought he looked quick in that first round. He was moving a lot. Um, he still looks kind of unsure throwing kicks. I remember seeing him throw a high kick and it was still kind of unsure. The, the whole mental thing with his breaking his leg was probably miserable. I think he hasn't got over that yet. Uriah is a big, powerful, strong guy. I think this was probably the perfect matchup for him, for Anderson Silva. I really do. Uriah is a ranked guy. You can't give Anderson Silva a scrub, you know, unless you want to unretire Bisbinger, unretire Dan Henderson. Who else is there? You got to give Anderson a top guy. No one's going to pay to watch Anderson fight fucking Ian Heinish. No one's going to pay to watch Anderson fight, you know, fucking Jack Marshman. Like, you got to give him a name in Uriah Hall. Was the Anderson Silva, the next Anderson Silva. <clears throat> he had the crazy kick on the Ultimate Fighter. You know, he's a good striker. He idolizes Anderson Silva. I thought it was a perfect matchup. Uriah looked good. I'm not a huge fan of Uriah Hall. I just, you know, he seems like a nice guy and everything, but <clears throat> I don't know if it's skill or if it's, I don't know what it is. I just, I, there, there's, I just, I don't know if, if he's ever going to reach that potential. He's 36 years old. This was a signature win for him. Maybe Gagar Masazi, but that was kind of a fluke because Gagar came back and beat him, but He's just, I just, he has all the skills in the world. I just think he lacks a little bit of the mental side of it. And I think once he gets in there with some real young dogs at 85, because he just hasn't really fought all that much, 
he's gonna get he's gonna lose again. He wins one, loses one, win one, lose one. So this is more about Anderson Silva than Uriah Hall. Uriah did throw some good shots. You know, Dana criticized him and said he was really gun shy. You know, listen, in the beginning of those rounds, if he wasn't gun shy, Anderson could really fuck you up, regardless of his age. He's a really good counterfighter. He's a pinpoint accurate dude, and, and he was coming after Uriah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's been times where Uriah has been gun shy, but I thought the counter strikes he landed on Anderson were beautiful. Anderson left himself open, but you know, I don't know what I like him at. I don't know if I like him at 185, uh, if he's ever going to like make it at 85, right? So I'm looking at the rankings now. He's ranked ninth. I'm assuming he might go up or if he's already gone up, if they updated these, um, I don't think he beats any, I don't think he beats anybody above him. Kevin Gossam's already beat him. I think Kevin, even though he's on a fucking skid, I think they, uh, Kevin beats him again, but apparently they're like best friends. They used to train together. Derek Brunson, Uriah Hall, that'd be a fun fight. I think Till beats him. Yoel beats him. Even though Yoel's probably at 205 now. Hermanson, Cannonier, Costa. I think Cannonier might be the best fight for him. Maybe Paula Costa if he doesn't go up to 205. Cannonier coming off the loss. Um, <clears throat> maybe Edmund Shabazian. Give him Shabazian, Marvin Vittori. There's a lot of options for Uriah Hall, but I just don't really see him being cracking the ceiling. And he was throwing weird shots at Izzy all week. Again, like saying Izzy handpicks his opponents. Like, what the fuck? Like, he fought Kelvin for the interim and then fought Whitaker to unify and then fought Yoel, who was the number one, not really the number one contender, but the, the guy who they wanted him to fight. And then he fought Costa, who was the number one contender. I mean, or number two, depending on what Whitaker did. So it's like, what are you talking about? He's fighting everybody. He's not, he's not dodging anybody. And now he's going up and fighting Jan. We'll get to that, but crazy. So Anderson Silva, listen, I got, I had a, I have a really, long history then so this is why i think i'm gonna go long right because it involves rich franklin and once i talked about start talking about rich franklin i start going on this long huge thing so basically if you don't know first time listening rich franklin taught at my high school he's not my teacher he was in advanced math i was an idiot in high school so i did not have him but he was he's from cincinnati um and he taught uh, at my high school while he was fighting he ufc debuted as a teacher as a math teacher at oak hills which is absolutely crazy right um, so that was pretty cool. And that really, I knew what MMA was, but rich is really the reason I started becoming obsessed with it. Right. For very first pay-per-view I ordered UFC 42, rich Franklin versus Evan Tanner. I was, I knew some of the people cause I had already seen some of the footage UFC hits, which I've showed you guys at VHS. I knew who like, you know, Matt Hughes was and who Sean Shirk was. And then I see this and that, that hooked me. I was like, boom, cause the UFC 40 was Ken Shamrock versus Tito Ortiz. And I knew who both those were. I did watch that, but I didn't order it, right? So I, I saw that, but I didn't. Anyway, so that really hooked me onto MMA, right? And then Rich goes and wins the title on my graduation night. Like he had he had quit working at my school because um, he's a full-time fighter now. And he won, beat Evan Tanner on my graduation night to win the middleweight title. Soon after, right, he beats Nate Corey. He knocks out David Luazo, knocks out David, uh, Nate Corey, beats David Luazo. And then they signed Anderson Silva. Now, at this point in my MMA journey, I knew what pride was. I was on SureDog forums. I was on MMA.TV, The Underground. I was posting all the time. I would fucking stay up to 2, 3 in the morning fighting with anybody that said anything bad about Rich. Like, I was fucking a dog. I was attacking anybody that said anything negative about Rich. And the narrative back then, at this time, was that Rich was avoiding Matt Lindland. Matt Lindland got cut from UFC because he wore a sponsor that wasn't a sponsor, wasn't an approved sponsor. Dana apparently didn't like him. Matt Lindland had that awkward wrestling style. Everyone on the on the internets at the time, sure dog, MMA, they all thought Matt Lindland was the guy to beat Rich. Rich wasn't that good. He was overrated, and Matt Lindland was going to be the guy. So then um, Anderson Silva gets signed, right? And he and he he's matching up with Chris Lieben. At this point, I knew who Anderson was because I had bought all the Pride DVDs to catch up because on the internet at the time, pride versus UFC pride, had better fires, whatever. So I saw Anderson fight Rio Chonin. I saw him fight Alex. I'm blanking on the last name. It was a white dude. They called himself the Brazilian killer. Fucking Silva butchered him. I saw him fight Jeremy Horn. And you know, I, I was like, okay, Anderson Silva, he's a pretty good striker. I didn't really know his cage warriors hero, uh, cage warriors yet. I hadn't seen the Tony Frickland up elbow yet. I hadn't seen, uh, the Lee Murray fight in England. I just knew him from pride. So he comes in against Lieben. I knew Lieben. I was a fan of Lieben. Didn't gamble yet, but I had my money on Silva. I was like, okay, Silva's probably going to outstrike him, win a three-round decision because Lieben had a chin from hell. Silva comes out, destroys him. We all know the history. So from then I go, okay, well, Anderson's got to win a few more fights before he gets rich. Still fighting with people on MMA.TV. Still fighting with people on Sure Dog about 
Matt Linlin. Everyone kept talking about Matt Linlin. Silva's great, but Silva lost to Rio Chonin by heel hook. Silva's great, but if Jeremy Horn had more training, he could have beat uh, blah, blah, blah. You know, like all this stuff. And then they saw and they signed the Rich Anderson fight. And everyone's like, oh, this is interesting. I do not know what the line was. I got to imagine Rich was maybe a slight favorite at that point. I don't know, right? Rich, I remember watching him do interviews. Very fucking confident in this fight. Anderson, second fight in the UFC, he's getting a title shot. I was like, oh, shit. Okay, great. So the night of the fight, it was in October. I don't remember the exact date. I haven't looked any of this up. So I, let me, you know what? Let me look it up. Let me see the date because that kind of dovetails with my story here. Okay? And it's a long-winded story. This is why I'm probably going to go a little long here. But, uh, you know, it just it's kind of shaped me. What was that guy's name that he fought? Alex Stabling. It, it was the guy that he threw a knee and cut this motherfucker's head open. Um, yeah, so he lost twice. He lost to Dajay uh, Daj- Takaki by triangle choke at Pride. Went on through three fight win streak. And then he re-achoned and he'll hooked him, right? And then, yeah, that's right. Jorge Rivera, Curtis Stout, really tough guys. You know, Kami was a legal kick on that one night tournament. And, he, and he's fought everybody. So UFC 64, obviously UFC 64, unstoppable. It was, um, where's the date at here? Oct- or Saturday, uh, October 14th, 2006, right? A year after I graduated high school. So I remember this very vividly because it got announced, right? And I was passing the theory off of like, oh, so now it's not Matt Linlin and blah, 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 and all this stuff, whatever the fuck I was saying. And then my buddy was getting the fights. He's like, hey, we're, we're going to get the rich fights because I was ready to order it, watch it by myself. I'm like, okay, fuck it. Let's go. Let's go watch the rich fights, go over to his house. I was, I dated a girl through all high school and this girl I was dating, I had dated a few girls after we broke up. We broke up my senior year. For that year or so, I started dating other girls, but this one girl in particular I really started dating, I actually really liked. It was the first girl I liked since the girlfriend. And she, it was right around, I don't know if it was like a Halloween thing, but there was some kind of party that night. And she's like, oh, we, you have to go with me. You have to blah, blah, blah. And I was like, hey, listen, there's these fights. Why don't you come to the fights? So she's like, no, I really want to go to this party. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, well, I got to go. I got to watch these fights. Rich is fighting. I mean, I, I'm not missing it. So she's like, okay, blah, blah, blah. She gave me shit find out this is the first girl i liked since the girlfriend in high school and she made out to do that night so obviously we never got together so rich franklin was obviously more important then he's obviously more important now and i'm crying no i'm just kidding but that was that was a little part of the story where literally i gave up i knew this girl who was you know great girl but you know tempting we're young we're idiots she's gonna be at this party there's gonna be someone that hits on her i risked it for rich franklin so i go and watch rich franklin versus anderson Silva. So nervous, Rich gets completely annihilated in the first round, but they couldn't get out of that clinch, and I was literally just absolutely fucking devastated. I hated Anderson Silva so fucking much. Like, I hated him with a passion, right? Then he goes around, he does a quick turn, fights Travis Luter, and gets Luter. Uh, Luter misses weight horribly, wins the ultimate fighter, and then, you know, he fights Anderson, and it was just it was just one of those things where I'm like... Um, I was like, oh, you know, it wasn't really a title. It wasn't really a title offense, but it kind of was. And I'm just like, uh, like, you know, this guy, whatever. Like I, I wasn't a looter fan, but I was, I was definitely wasn't rooting for Anderson. I hadn't, I hadn't turned the corner on Anderson yet. Right. Meanwhile, Rich is beating Jason McDonald, beating Yushin Okami, worked his way back up to Anderson Silva. Oh, guess what? They're doing it in fucking Cincinnati. UFC 77 in Cincinnati. Of course I went. Me and my buddy Steve, who I watch all the UFC with, all the UFC pay-per-views with, we went. We sat in front of these fat fucking hillbillies who were like, Rich Franklin's the best. Whoa, fucking Rich. He walked out to Welcome to the Jungle. He wore... Orange and black shorts. Like he always wore pink and brown. He wore orange and black for the Bengals. Came out to welcome to the jungle. It was a hostile fucking territory for fucking Anderson Silva. It truly was. Cincinnati's only UFC pay-per-view. And we lit the fucking place up. The place was so goddamn loud. It was one of the best walkouts I've ever seen in my life. I've been to many UFCs, right? Dustin Poirier at uh, UFC 236, right? 236? It's on my wall. UFC 236. Came out to James Brown, awesome walkout, right? But Rich come out to Welcome to the Jungle, amazing. Anderson Silva's just like chilling. He doesn't give a fuck. Comes out, Rich has an okay first round, a better first round than, than the first fight, but he gets clipped at the very end of the first round, gets dropped bad, comes out second round, gets his nose broke again. The fat fucking hillbillies in front of me were like, fuck Rich, he's the worst. Whoa, like fights almost broke out. I looked at Steve, he's like, I gotta get out of here because I'm about to fucking kill these guys. I lived in, uh, like, basically on a college campus with, like, eight of my buddies. We lived in a house. They threw a party that night for the fights. 
I go back, get wasted. I get in a fight just because I'm so pent up about Rich. I hated Anderson Silva. I fucking hated him. I couldn't wait for him to lose. And then he fights Dan Henderson, right? And I'm not a Dan Henderson guy, right? He does another kind of quick turnaround against Henderson. Henderson came to the UFC. He had already fought Quentin Rampage Jackson, lost for the 205 belt, goes down to two, uh, 185. And I'm like, you know what, Dano? Even though I don't really like you, I want you to come out and knock out uh, Anderson here. Anderson just embarrasses him. Goes out there and dominates uh, Dan, chokes him out in the second round. I went, oh, fuck. Okay. Well, I didn't I didn't see that because Hendo, back then, Hendo never got finished, right? And then he takes a fight on um, fairly short notice and jumps up to 205 fight James Irvin, who at the time was a knockout fucking artist. This dude would, would knock dudes out. And this was the same night as the Affliction pay-per-view. I believe it was Sylvia. It might have been Sylvia Fedor or it could have been Arlovsky Fedor. I can't remember. But I had one buddy over who was just kind of a random guy who I didn't really, I didn't really watch that many fights with. But he was there at my house in, when I lived on campus. And we watched this fight and I watched Anderson. And, and at this point, when Anderson destroyed James Irvin, I went, this guy's fucking good. So I started changing my tune and then I started watching like the interviews and I liked his intensity. And then all of a sudden the Patrick Cote fight and the Talos Latus fight, the Forrest Griffin fight, obviously. And then the Damian Maya, even though the latest in the Maya fight weren't great, you saw greatness. And then the, the comeback of the Chael Sun and all the Chael Sun and talk and then the front kick of Vitor Belfort and then having a weird loss to Okami and a legal kick and then coming out and beating Okami and then beating Chael again and then destroying Bonner. It's like, holy shit, this guy is really fucking good. I completely made a 180. All those people on SureDog and MMA.TV, I don't remember the names, but I fucking hate them. If they ever said Matt Lindley was a kryptonite to Rich Franklin, I fucking hate them. And I hated Anderson Silva because he knocked out my boy Rich on multiple occasions, twice. And yet... I appreciated his fucking greatness. Like we needed that. Like Anderson in his prime was so fucking good and electric and intense and a nice sweet guy and just also fucking brutal. And he would goof off in there and he had all these skills and he was a special fucking fighter. And you got to imagine he came in the UFC when he's 32. That's when fucking Khabib just retired. He made his UFC debut at 32 years old. So he had an eight year run or so where he would maybe was even out of his prime, maybe past 36, 37, but he was still fucking wrecking people. He had that run where he was very active. He wanted to fight everyone. No one could beat him. And he had that mystic thing like, fuck, I'm in there with Anderson Silva. Wasn't the biggest guy, kind of a skinny guy, didn't have the biggest power, but he just had that it factor, right? His technique was good, but it wasn't perfect. He just had that that, that thing about him that people strive to have. And he would have been a bigger star in America if he spoke a little bit better English. I think he speaks English now, but back then he didn't speak the best English. But I've never done a 180 or maybe even a 360 in a guy in my life. I really never have. And Anderson was one of those guys. Like, I love Rich Franklin. Rich Franklin is on my Mount Rushmore. He's one of the – him and BJ Penn are 1A and 1B of, of the reason why I'm sitting here talking to this microphone. The reason why I wanted to be a fighter at one point. I mean, I trained. I wanted to be a fucking fighter. And, um, and it's just, it's amazing that, you know, Anderson Silva is a guy who beat my hero at, at really. Right. And then I 180 on him because he was that endearing and that fucking good. And that special for the sport. I realized what he was doing was for the sport. LeBron James shut up the fights. Usher was in the back fucking ch chatting Anderson Silva up. Like he became a global fucking superstar not because he spoke English and he was Conor McGregor and he had this fucking swag about him. It was because of his skill. He became as popular as he did in America because of his fucking skill. And that speaks volumes, right? The way he did it. He did flash to it. He had an attitude about him, but he's also kind of a sweet guy. His stare downs were intense and he was a killer in there, but he was also respectful after the fight, right? He was getting his ass kicked by Chael Sonnen, the biggest rivalry in at that point, UFC history, his ribs were all fucked up and he's losing every second of the fight and then comes back and chokes him out. That was unbelievable. Like, I can't express enough what Anderson Dilba has done to the sport and done for me, really, in an odd way. I never thought this guy who was my enemy was going to be one of my goats. I mean, he's one of the best of all time. I know I've talked about him with the whole steroids things and that's unfortunate. Maybe he was on steroids his whole career. I don't know, but you can't take away that run he had and how special it was for the UFC. He's obviously a Hall of Famer. Um, he's, he's incredible. The Forrest Griffin fight will live on in infamy. The Chael Sonnen fight will live on in infamy. I mean, the, the Vitor Belfort front kick that really changed the, 
um, striking MMA. Everyone's throwing the front kick. Like, it's just this guy never backed down from a challenge. He wanted to fight the best. He really didn't get hurt in his entire run. Like, he didn't, he wasn't out for a long extended period of time. He's very active. The only really injury he had sustained was the horrible leg break to Wyman in a fight that, that he was winning. And the, excuse me, the f- second fight he broke his leg. The first fight he was winning that fight. He just got sloppy and got caught. And he was a little bit older in age at that time. And his, and his reflex weren't there. Is I could go on and on about Anderson Silva, but yeah, I mean, listen, for a guy that I, I really hate it, and I, and I can't express enough how much I hated him, what he has done for this sport, I can put all that aside because I love this sport first and foremost, and Anderson Silva has done a lot for it. He's put the eyeballs on that we need it, and, uh, and I'm a forever grateful for him. I really am. I mean, he's, he's an incredible fighter, seems like an incredible person, um, and uh, yeah, much respect to Anderson Silva. Um, I never got to see him fight. Uh, I got to see him fight live. Excuse me. I never got to meet him or see him like up close in person, which is fine. I'm not, but I got to see him fight live, you know, which is pretty cool. And even though at the time I didn't appreciate it because he was beating up Rich Franklin, one of my heroes, it was, it was probably, uh, it was pretty dope. It was pretty cool. Um, yeah. So I could go on with Rich Franklin stories and, and stuff like that, but I want to pay my respects to Anderson Silva. I hope he's retired. I hope this is it. I, I Dana White kind of was real negative. After the fact, I think Dana White was a little emotional that he put Anderson in there and Anderson's not Anderson anymore. I think Dana didn't know how to process emotions. I thought Anderson looked good for a 45-year-old. He was in there with elite competition. It wasn't like he was in there against a scrub. Um, I thought Anderson looked pretty good, right? He looked pretty good for 45. It wasn't – Dana made it seem to be like, I shouldn't have let him fight. I don't know about that, right? I, th- I thought Anderson has some fight left in him. It's really hard for fighters to walk away. Anderson said that post-fight. He said it's really hard for us to walk away. Uh, I don't know his money situation. I'm hoping he's made a lot of money in MMA. Hopefully he's squared away. He's had some big sponsorships. Um, I know his you know his kids are getting older and stuff like that. And he lives in California, I believe. I don't think he lives in Brazil anymore. But I don't want to see him on bare knuckle. I don't want to see him. I wouldn't mind seeing him like box like Sugar or uh, um, Roy Jones. You know they're both. You know Roy Jones is like fifty, like the Roy Jones Tyson thing. I wouldn't mind seeing him doing that. I think I'd be okay with that. Like an exhibition boxing match. He's always wanted to do that. Uh, wouldn't mind that, but as far as like bare knuckle MMA, I mean, I, I, you know, if bare knuckle has any kind of soul, they won't offer Anderson like a multi-million dollar contract because how can you turn that down? The guy's a fighter. He's a prize fighter. He wants to fight for the prize. All right. Sorry about the long winded Anderson, uh, silver there. I just had to give him his proper shine. The guy's incredible. So before we break down the contender series tomorrow night, we'll go over some of those fights. So, uh, um, someone just texted me about the election. Um, so Ian Parker, if you guys know me, you know, I listen to the Anakin Florian podcast. I love it. I, I, you know, again, it's, I love Kenny Florian and I love John Anik, right? Ian Parker, they used to have, I think I've talked about this a million times in exhaustion, but I'll, I'll recap it. They used to have, um, guest pickers on. I was on the show. They used to have a lot of guys on like any N- MMA handicappers that, um, that were on Twitter or whatever that did this, they would have on. And I had the podcast at the time. I should really play the audio. I should rip the audio and put it on a podcast. So you guys can hear it. Cause maybe not a lot of you guys hear it. I, I did. Okay. I beat Kenny Florian, but I wasn't like, like myself. Right. <laughs> so on the weekend, Ian Parker, this guy who's on the show who I don't love, right? Um, I think he's okay. Like he's, he is a handicapper. Um, my biggest thing with him is, is he's not, um, like when John busts his balls, he doesn't really know how to take it. Right. So what they're doing now is doing the best bet. Right. So he, he put out his best bet for the weekend. He did Holland Strickland, Hernandez and Hardy in a parlay. Right. Holland was a plus five, 700 Strickland was a plus 400 Hernandez was a plus 400. Hardy was up in the 300, right? That is a chalky parlay. My slime ball parlay, which is a three-leg parlay, had two big favors, but also had Jason Witt, who was a minus 154, right? So I think I made more money on my three-fight parlay than he did on that four-fight parlay, right? And he's giving these picks out. So I t- I commented. I said, might need something to drink because that is chalky. Post a little gift of uh, of uh, Jim Carrey from me, myself, and Irene when he took the medicine at dry mouth or whatever. Just bust some balls, right? Again, this guy gets super sensitive. And then um, he wrote super chalky. And then um, that's what he wrote. He commented to me, super chalky. And then what what happened? We had like a whole exchange here. Um, let's see. Okay. Um, 
Why? <laughs> okay, I'm on. I'm on my desktop Twitter. Let me get on my phone. Why am I a thousand years old? Okay, so basically, that that that. This is embarrassing. This should be a lot smoother than what it is. What's going on here? Um. Yeah. So I said Shubataki, and um, and he came at me right after I said might need some uh, chalk with that because it was super chalky, yada, yada. And then he said, uh, he like posted like a, a, a gif of like someone walking with money. It looked like he deleted it. It looked like he deleted his response. And I said, um, that's cool. Good job, man. And I said, uh, nice. And I said, I hit Moses or Moises at plus 750, hit my parlay too. But we were just talking. He goes, nice hit. I had a lot of haters in my parlay. All good. Whoever wants to join the Duck Army is welcome. I said, no hating for me, Duck. It was super chalky, but chalky pays for like parlay isn't easy to hit. Be a nice. So this guy immediately thought I was taking shots at him, which I wasn't, right? And that's what he is on the podcast. He acts like people are like against him or whatever. And it's like, dude, grow a set of fucking balls. Be a man. He gets his feelings hurt way too much. And for Christ's sake, the Anakin Florian podcast is one is a good podcast, right? Right? They're they're all in different cities, they're all on different microphones, right? Anik sounds the best. Florian has messed up internet. Here comes an audio rant from Brian. But Ian Parker, you're on the Anakin Florian podcast. You're having a following. You're a handicapper. All this shit. Get a fucking mic, dude. He's FaceTiming, talking via his phone. Like, get a fucking desktop. Say he's always outside. Like, you don't have a fucking room in your house where you can sit down on a computer and do this show. Like, show me that you care, Ian Parker. Um, I know a lot of people that really disdain this guy. I, 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 I can put up with him, but, yeah, he's not, like, my favorite person in the world. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just he needs, he needs to just get a little bit thicker skin there. All right, next up, the Contender Series. We'll end on this. We're almost in an hour. I was almost dead right about, uh, about my prediction here of how long we go. So, Contender Series is coming back for three episodes. It's on. It's usually on Tuesday nights, but they're putting it on tomorrow night because of the election. Um, and we got a four fight Carlay, uh, Carlay four fight card. Oscar Ivan Colta versus Jarrett uh, Vandery. That got pulled off. Cota withdrew. Um, and KB Bueller actually was supposed to fight Bruno Oliveira on this fight. So first fight of the night was Jar- uh, Jarrett Vandera, who against Harry Hensucker. Maybe that didn't get pulled off. Because they found a replacement. I thought Harry was always on this. So a little backstory with Harry Hunsucker. He is from Kentucky. Um, I have sparred him on maybe two or three times in, uh, many, many years ago in, in the amateur scenes. I'm talking back in like, you know, 20, 2009, 2010. Uh, I think it was about 2010. I think he was an amateur. I think he only had a couple of amateur fights. I think he was coming off a win. And then when I sparred him, he came off his first loss against Tim Dunn, who's another northern Ohio guy who... Um, he was fight his damage record wasn't really the greatest in the world um he's he's fairly well-rounded he was kind of a strong guy but i remember when, when we sparred and this isn't me you know talking myself up like oh i beat up ufc fighter because he wasn't a ufc fighter then um but we sparred you don't talk about sparring in the room right you don't talk about how you sparred somebody that's like kind of an unwritten rule but i don't train anymore so let's just say when me and harry sparred it went really well for one of us and that one of us is talking into a microphone right now um yeah no listen i'm glad he's made it he hasn't given up he's he's won titles outside the ufc i don't think he's a heavyweight i think he's not the biggest guy in the world like i'm a little taller than he is and um you know we we grappled a little bit um he was a better grappler than i was but he didn't really feel crazy strong to me and then when when we struck it was it was pretty clear had the advantage there but he's fighting jared uh vandery uh vandera um i do not know much about this guy this guy is from california uh, born in Washington, Richland, Washington. So this is Washington versus Kentucky. He's 6'4", big guy, got a decent record. Uh, Tony Lopez, who literally has fought everyone. He's 64-31. and 31. That's Tony Lopez's legit record. Um, this guy, you know, he's got some wins by knockouts. He's got some losses by, uh, a lot of losses by submission. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know much about this. I haven't looked up any tape. This is just me going off record off of what I see here. And Harry and I are not good friends. We don't really know each other that well. It's not like I went down there and sparred him because I knew him. I was in the gym the same time he was. Him and I are similar size. We matched up. That's really the end of the story. I don't know him all that well. Um, but 10 and 4 over 6 and 2. Harry is pretty good on the ground. I think he's got some submissions right there. He's tough. He's a durable dude. Uh, I do not know much about this Jan- Jarrett guy. I'm going to go Harry to be a little bit of a homer, even though he's not from Ohio. He's from Kentucky. My wife's from Kentucky. So I'm going to go uh, Harry there. Vince Murdoch versus Luis Saldana. This is a fight I really, really want to see. 
Saldana looks really good on tape to me, right? This kid's coming out of Arizona. He's from Iowa. He's kind of tall for 145. He's at 5'11". Um, he's got a lot of wins all different ways, right? He's got some ugly losses. Mon Santiago knocked him out. He's been choked out by Anthony Backroom, which wasn't a, a good loss. He has a loss back in 2014 to Damon Childress, who was 1-1. One one. That is burp, sorry. Justin Lawrence, who fought in the Ultimate Fighter, uh, he lost to him as well. He's, his record's really sp- spread out. He's taking some time off. And he fought once in 2017. He got knocked out. Or excuse me, he, got, he lost a decision. Now, since that was his only loss, and he's kind of battled back, but he's been a little inconsistent. Vince Murdoch is a guy who was my underdog lock. He was going to make his UFC debut versus Jordan Griffin. He was an absolutely huge underdog. He's a team alpha male guy. He's a good striker. He's aggressive. He's in shape. A little short though, but he's got a lot of um he's got a lot of uh uh firepower. He's got a lot of power. I think he can wrestle. Good looking kid. I think he could be marketable. He's young. He had brain surgery. That's why he had to pull out of the Jordan Griffin fight. Don't remember what kind of brain injury he had, but he literally had to have brain surgery. He's been out 18 months. They gave him Saldana. This is going to be probably maybe fight of the night, in my opinion. I'm going to go Murdoch for my my natural instinct, but I do think Saldana is really good. I think this guy has clean striking. Um, I do do not know really how good he is off its back. I think Vince could probably take this fight to the ground if he wanted to. Um, I think Vince wants to show off his hands a little bit. He is a good striker. He's primarily a striker. Um, interested in this fight a lot. I, I'm going to go Vince. I'm not confident. I don't know the lines. Again, I'm just looking at records. I've seen Vince fight before. Um, I've seen a little bit of tape on Zaldana. I've seen some of the training footage on him, and he looks really fucking solid. Um, he looks a little bit better than 13 to 6's record. Next up, 170, Ignacio, Ignacio Bamadas. Fucking nailed it. For Edson Gomez, Banacio is 10 and 3. He's fighting out of Miami, Florida. He's born in Santiago, Chile. 6 and 2, or excuse me, 6 2 for 170. He fought Chris Brown? What the fuck? The singer? Um, horrible joke. I'm sorry. So he fought in the LFA. He fought in the LFA his last time out. He beat Chris Brown by split decision. He's got some KOs. Got a lot of decision wins. So it looks like to me he's a pretty good striker, but not like a powerful striker. Some guys he's got out of there. Some guys he's not. His two losses are by submission. He's got three losses, but two are by submission. One's by a decision. Um, not the most active guy again. Well, I mean, three, four fights in 2017, two, one fight in 18, one, two fights in 19, um, and then obviously COVID hit. So maybe I shouldn't really judge him by that. He's fighting Edson Gomez, who I do not know who this guy is. Upland, California. Huh, I don't know. 5'8", so he's much shorter, 1'7". This guy should not be 170 at 5'8". Sorry. A lot of TKOs on his record. It looks like he's a big, powerful guy. He's got one loss. Uh, King of the Cage uh, stuff, which, again, I mean, that's that. I mean, Gladiator Challenge and King of the Cage. I mean, that's that's a California staple right there. Um, 2-0, 0-8. These are guys he fought. He fought Bentley Acapulco, 2-0, knocked him out in the second round. He fought Dominus Nicholas, who was 0-8. He won the first round by 30, in 30 seconds. He fought Richard Flamente, who was 0-1. He knocked him out. His only loss is to Devin Goodale, who was 1-0. He lost by a decision. Let's see what Devin Goodale's done. Devin Goodale's 3-0, though, guys. So let's not, let's not sleep on Devin Goodale, okay? Um, and then he went and fought Carices Archer, who was 2-5. He knocked him out. He fought Travis Williams, who's 2-2, two two, knocked him out. And then Danny Garcia, who was 6-1. He knocked him out as well. Danny Garcia is now six and two. Uh, I think he fought Goodale too. Yeah, so he's fought Goodale. He's and he's beat nobody. I mean, he's got a guy on his record. Danny Garcia's got a guy on his record. He's zero and fourteen. He's got another guy on his record that's zero and eleven. Okay, so basically, I'm picking. Uh, I think uh, what's his face is going to be the big favorite here. Uh, Ignacio Barmandez, who's ten and three. I think you know Miami, Florida, probably on a better camp here. I don't know if he's American Top Team or if he's. Uh, Masters MMA where, where Cody trains at. But yeah, we're going to go with uh, Ignacio here. Big time over Gomez. Carlos Ulberg. This is a New Zealand guy. This is Izzy. This is Izzy's guy. So Izzy literally, Air Hawani broke this down. He fought in Fight Island, flew to New Zealand, quarantined for two weeks, was out for 10 days, flew to Vegas, right? Quarantined for two days, trained with this guy. That's why he was at the fights on Saturday because this is his guy. This guy was in his corner um for all his stuff in fight island and now when he flies back after this fight he's got to quarantine for two weeks in new zealand again which is crazy that's commitment to the team um i love that that's that i mean this is your guy fighting right here he's only two and oh he's a 205 pounder um it doesn't say how tall he is it looks like he's pretty long in the picture never seen this guy fight right he's, he's, he's got a kickboxing background his mma wins his M- one mma win was back in 2011 
And then he came back and won uh, a decision in 2018. And then he's got kickboxing fights. So he's literally 2-0. and um, And so this is a kickboxer that is now coming over to MMA, it looks like. So he's obviously going to want to strike. He's fighting Bruno Oliveira, who is fighting out of Sao Paulo, Brazil. 6'4", 205 pounds. He's 36, a little long in the tooth. This guy looks like he's got wins every which way from triangle to punches. It looks like he's more of a stand-up guy, which I think is good for Carlos. Carlos Holmberg, again, I'm going to have to look this guy up, but I'm going to lean Carlos. I like city kickboxing. Bruno obviously is going to want to get the fight to the ground. Even if he likes to stand up, he does have some wins by submission. But listen, I'm going to go Carlos because of the dedication to the team. I love the team mentality. All right, that's it. That's the show. I went a little long. Again, sorry, I got real passionate about Anderson Silva. Um, I just get real passionate about this stuff, right? I, I love this sport so much, and I love people who really contribute to help this sport grow because I feel like this sport is still growing. It's still one of the greatest sports in the world. I'm literally going to – I don't know if I'll be doing the podcast my whole life because I don't know if I'll have a voice in maybe five years because of how much I talk, but I'm always going to love this sport. I'll never, ever not love this sport. It's um, it's awesome. It's awesome. It gives me – you know, my, I, you know, that's another thing. Like, you know, I, I tell people all the time, I, I he, Devin tries to insult me or people at work try to make fun of me. You can't – hurt my feelings because I'm so happy. What do I have to be upset about? I have the love of my life as my wife. I have a beautiful daughter. I have another beautiful daughter on the way. My family is awesome. I have shit I complain about all the time. It just is meaningless, right? So you can assault me, but I'm too happy to be upset. I'm just too happy. And one of those reasons why I'm so happy is we've had MMA every weekend for months. Literally December 19th is when they stop because it's the weekend before Christmas. And I don't know what I'm going to do that weekend. I know it's Christmas, but what the fuck am I going to do? Open gifts? That sounds boring. Where are the fights at? All right, that's the show. I will be back this week with um, Pick'ems. I might do I might do a live. I don't know. I might do a live on, on Twitter and YouTube and all that stuff. But I'll be back with Pick'ems for this weekend. I just started going over the card today. Should be out tomorrow. I'll probably record tomorrow. I'll, I'll figure it out the uh, the rest of them tonight. And that's it. All right, see ya. Woo! Hey, pal, do me a favor. Get her down off there. What do you say? Woo! I say let her dance. Escort this gentleman to the door. Do you see that shit? He's real good. The name is Dalton.